next up, we have the escalation uh, between the U.S. And, I- and Iran, which is really just an escalation of the U.S. in general with Middle Eastern states. And I, I-, I hinted at it before. We talked a little bit about it during the rapid fire. But now I'm going to go into depth as to why those those that carrier and that amphibious assault ship, the USS Bataan and the USS Carter Hall arriving in the Red Sea was such a big deal. And so I'll get into it right now. So the U.S. military is considering putting armed personnel on commercial ships traveling through the Strait of Hormuz. We talked about that. Uh, And this is aimed primarily at stopping Iran from seizing and harassing civilian vessels. We, We talked about that as well. And I'm. This is American officials talking to the Associated Press. And, quote, Since 2019, Iran has seized a series of ships in the Strait, the narrow mouth of the Persian Gulf, as part of its efforts to pressure the West over negotiations regarding its collapsed nuclear deal with world powers. Putting U.S. troops on commercial ships could further deter Iran from seizing vessels, or escalate tensions further, end quote. You don't say. You don't say. Putting ships, oh my goodness, putting soldiers on civilian ships moving through Iran's waters could potentially escalate the situation further. What what could have possibly given you that idea? You know, just just asking for a friend, not me, because I... Because I'll never figure that out. I, I, I won't even bother asking for me. I'll ask for a friend. What could possibly have given you that idea? Oh, my goodness. But we'll, we'll, I'll continue. I'll continue. The contemplated move would rep also represent a extraordinary commitment in the Mideast by U.S. forces as the Pentagon tries to focus on Russia and China. And uh, I'll just take a, a moment here on that note. You're going to commit to the Mideast as you're trying to focus on Russia and China. Why would you do that? You, you already can't. There's already issues focusing on China because of how overcommitted we are in Europe. And in my view, you already know my view. Any commitment to Europe is overcommitted. I don't know. But we're, we're giving hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. We're giving everything. We're we're literally letting them rape us for all we have, and we're just taking it. Oh, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, baby, another another hundred billion dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're we're just throwing money at a stripper, but she's not even good at dancing. <laughs> the pole and the floor are beating her ass. <laughs> And yeah, we're, we're, we're just, we're, we just keep on throwing those singles, you know? We just keep on throwing those singles. She'll learn eventually. She'll, she'll, she'll get her flow. That, that's the situation we have. And and it, we can't even focus on China. Now, I don't want us to focus on China. I want us to leave them alone. I don't see us winning that fight anyway. But if you're in the mind of someone who does believe that we need to be focused on Russia. We need to be focused on China. We need to be ready to fight our adversaries at a moment's notice. You're already having too many issues with Russia to even look at China. We're emptying the clip on Ukraine. How are you even potentially going to fight China? 
And now you're going to add a third piece of this equation, Iran. How are you going to focus on Russia, China, and Iran when you can't even finish focusing on Russia? Because you can't win against Russia. How are you going to focus on Russia, China, and Iran if you can't even win and bring to a conclusion the conflict against Russia, which has consumed your entire attention, all the, the diplomatic efforts of the United States abroad has been centered around the war in Ukraine. All of it, with potentially the sole exception of when Biden went to Arabia to ask them not to cut production right before the midterms. And that's it. Our, the entire attention of our country, and of Europe as well, has been centered on Ukraine. It's taken up the entire bandwidth of America's, uh, well, uh, our, of our government's attention span. They can't. They are incapable of focusing on anything else. Because if they focus on anything else, they'll lose overnight. They could just leave, but you know, we we know that they're, we know they're not the brightest bunch. We we already know that. So how are you gonna? You you can't take your eyes off of Russia long enough to even look at China. So how are you then gonna uh, focus on Russia, China, and Iran? You can't. It's it's impossible. It's impossible. We can't do it. We can't do it unless you want to lose all three conflicts, and arguably we would lose all three anyway. It's the situation has changed such that we are at straight up disadvantages in all three of these regions, especially with the Gulf, as we mentioned with Iran with their new naval vessels, and they're essentially going for the the missile spam, the the speedboat missile spam. That's what the Iranians are going for, and that's going to give them complete and total control over the Gulf. And no one is going to be able to stop them because what are you going to do? What? Sure, you could fire an anti-tank missile at these ships, and that would be effective. If they're close to the coastline, I'm not entirely sure what the range of an anti-tank missile would be. But if you're talking long-range missiles, well, that's going to cost you a bit more money. Uh, But if you're talking ship-to-ship... Ship to ship, you have these giant destroyers, these giant cruisers, and these gargantuan, these gigantosaurus dinosaurs, which we call supercarriers. You're going to sail them into this enclosed sea where they can be jumped by <laughs> uh, swarms, by dozens of speedboats with missiles on them. And if those missiles are able to destroy your ship, then those speedboats have naval superiority. They have naval supremacy. It's not even superiority, they have supremacy because you can't do anything about that. And we talked about this in the rapid fire. So it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy. The, the, The Iranians are positioning themselves to be able to win a naval conflict in the Gulf because the Gulf is an enclosed sea where the Iranians can reach and hit anything in it, and we can't really counter that. Geography at play in Iran's favor. China-Taiwan, geography is at play in their favor. Russia-Ukraine, the geography isn't necessarily in Russia's favor, granted. 
but the Russians have just compensated for it with greater production and honestly, greater tactics because greater production only gets you so far. If you're throwing lives away, the Russians aren't losing men at anywhere near the rate of the Ukrainians. So more production, more superiority of arms, the greater quantity of arms and lower losses. The Russians have just beat us. They just straight up beat us. Like, uh, there's, I can't even say much left. They, they, they just beat us. All right. They, they beat us. They beat Ukraine. They beat all NATO. They, they just, they just made us take the L. That, that's how, that's how they made the terrain work in their favor. They just made us take the fucking L. <laughs> that's how they got geography to work for, for them. But I guess Ukraine being flat makes it hard for them to do any sort of offensive capabilities or any sort of offense, I should say, without being shot at especially since they don't have air superiority or even air support for that matter while the russians do but in every case with again per the sole exception being ukraine and russia the geography works against us and all three of these militaries are built for the geography that they're fighting in the russians are excelling because their military and their tactics and their weapons and their equipment are built for the terrain china it's going to be the same thing with their navy and taiwan their navy is built to fight and win a war in and around China, in the waters and around China. Iran is built to fight and win a war in and around Iran. These are defense, these are defense oriented militaries. And they're using and geography to their fullest advantage. And we're just charging in to the trap that they have allowed us that they've allowed geography, that they've allowed nature to set for us because they've designed their militaries around their geography. Which means that they win. Uh, okay, okay, it doesn't automatically mean that they win, but look at how they have paired modern technology with usage of the terrain. And it's clear that the terrain works for them. If we sail some ships into the Gulf, Every single one of those ships can be hit by an Iranian missile. The Iranians don't need to sail outside of the Gulf. So it's not even a problem for them. They don't have, they don't have to worry about fighting the American Navy outside the Gulf. They, don't, they just don't have to do that. Well, they would never need to do that. Especially in a defensive war. They can just sit there and shoot our ships out the water. China is going to do the same over Taiwan in the South China Sea, in the East China Sea, in the Philippine Sea, that's what they're going to be doing. And the Russians are blowing up all of our equipment on land. They have built their armies around geography. And it's it's showing. It's really showing. So the idea that we're going to be able to commit to conflict against all three of them, when we arguably can't even win against one, is insane. That is an insane proposition. And I don't think it is a, a very good idea to subscribe to such insane propositions. I really don't. Uh, but I'll, I'll continue on with uh, the article here. Uh, the contemplated move would represent an extraordinary commitment to the Middle East. The Pentagon forces trying to focus on Russia and China. The article then brings up the possibility that Marines on board the USS Bataan and the USS Carter Hall you know, the two, the the carrier and the amphibious assault ship that I talked about earlier on in the episode, 
that the Marines on board those ships could potentially be used to carry out this idea. Again, that idea being putting soldiers on board civilian ships. And they say, quote, those Marines and sailors could provide the backbone for any armed guard mission in the Strait, through which 20% of the world's crude oil passes, end quote. Now, they said this needed to be worked out with allies and that, quote, the Marines and Navy sailors would provide the security only at the request of the ships involved, end quote. Now, some might call this reckless. Some might even call it dangerous. I, on the other hand, will address this much more directly. It's retarded. This is a retarded idea. I've I've already given you an idea of why, but first and foremost, this is a self-defeating action. I mean, again, I said it before, I'll say, I said before, if you put military personnel on a civilian vessel, that vessel is no longer civilian. It is now a legitimate military target. If these ships sail into Iranian waters with American soldiers on them, the Iranians will have every legal right to shoot them on sight. They'll have every right. And quite honestly, they'll have more than enough reason to. It's not like we're uh, some benign entity to the Iranians. We're overtly hostile to them. A hostile entity sailing sailing soldiers into your waters. We wouldn't tolerate that. Why would the Iranians tolerate that? They would have every legal right to shoot us on sight which means you'll make these ships less safe, not more. That's the self-defeating aspect of this. By doing it, you'll make the ships more likely to get shot at than, uh, than less. And, and the, it also brings with it the danger of an, another war in the Gulf, instigated by the United States. When, and then when the broader geopolitical changes are taken into account, this also hints at not just another spike in the price of oil, uh, but the Middle East, uh, it, it, it's going to be bigger than that. It's going to be a lot bigger than that because the Middle Eastern states are increasingly on the same page. They're on the same page. They're increasingly open to Iran. We saw the reproachments taking place over the past few years. Iran has become the dominant power of the Middle East. They're increasingly on the same page. They're increasingly open to Iran. And they're increasingly hostile towards the U.S. presence within the region. And if we go and start a war, we won't be picking a fight with Iran. We'll be picking a fight with both these, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation as well as OPEC and OPEC+. Plus. And the OPEC plus side of that is especially dangerous at this part in this particular point in time, because you pick a fight with OPEC and OPEC plus, we will run the risk of another oil embargo being placed on United States at a time when our, our lovely fraud in chief has already sacrificed our energy independence, which is why he went to Arabia begging for them not to cut the, cut their production and increase the prices. Something we really wouldn't be uh, affected by in any negative way, mind you. We would not be affected negatively by them cutting production if we were still energy independent. 
it would benefit our producers. But he sacrificed our energy independence. So now we are vulnerable to such a shock like that. It's, and they've, they, they've, they've done this already. Not as in they've, they've done it and we're about to get hit with some $7 a gallon right now. But I mean, they've done it in the past. Uh, they, they did it anyway. When Biden asked them not to cut production, they did it anyway. So we already know OPEC won't be doing us any favors if we get on their bad side. And starting a war with Iran like this is an easy way to get on the bad side of an organization that, courtesy of you destroying our energy independence, has us by the balls. If they can cut us off and make and they can send us back to six, seven, and eight dollars a gallon if they really wanted to. They've chosen not to, but they could. They could, they, they really could. All they would have to do is embargo the United States. I don't, I don't know if they want to do that, though. So if they embargo the United States, that makes the price of oil really high in the United States. But it would mean that there would be lots of excess oil from their production left over, which would mean that the international price of oil would come down. And they're currently working to get the international price of oil back up with their production cuts. So there's a possibility that they won't, you know, given what their current intentions are, they want the price to go up, but that could change at a moment's notice if they decide that the United States has to be dealt with in some way, shape or form. And an oil embargo is a very easy way for them to do that. And depending on the time frame, we could get hit with that embargo either right before or in the dead of winter, no less. And I, I go through all this not because we, we need to make sure we stay on OPEC's good side. No, I, I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying understand the position that we're in. We don't have energy independence, so we have to care. If we did have energy independence, we wouldn't have to care. And it's that simple. It's So what we have here is the potential for yet another self-inflicted humiliation that wouldn't have happened were we energy independent both in terms of the consequences of a potential retaliation against us for starting a war in Iran, as well as the incentive for us to start this war in Iran. Because what, what are they protecting? They're protecting co- convoys. They're protecting tankers of these ships uh, with oil on them leaving the Gulf. Why? Because the United States is dependent on the oil. If we were energy independent, we would not be dependent on the oil, meaning that the incentive for us to use our military in this reckless and dangerous way, this retarded way, there the incentive wouldn't be there because we'd be the producer. We'd be a net exporter. We That's our competition. You're not going to use your military to go protect the competition. Leave them alone. Oops, your tankers got blown up by the Iranians. Oops, they got they got captured by the Iranian Navy. What are you gonna do? Oh, oh, would you look at that? Oh, 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 we're sending we're selling our oil. We're selling our oil to what used to be your customers. Oh no. Ah, what a shame. That that's how we would be if we were energy independent, we're laughing all the way to the bank every time something bad happened in the Gulf. But instead, we're dependent on this region that we make volatile through these really irresponsible and, again, retarded actions. 
Would we be doing this if we were energy independent? No, but we're not. So you have certain people, primarily the neocons, who think, oh, well, well, we'll just go in, use our military. We'll just use the military to solve every problem. That's what they think. And they'll get people killed over this. This is a really, really dumb idea. And I really don't want to see it come to fruition. I really don't. We, we just don't need this. Nobody, nobody needs this. It, and it doesn't need to happen. It's so avoidable. And yet, it looks like insane people are running the asylum. So I, I really can't tell you what's going to happen. What I can tell you is I do not have faith in the leadership. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I do not have faith in this leadership whatsoever. They might actually go through with this stupid stunt and get us into another war. At a time when we're already losing one war. And they want to talk about fighting China. Get the, get the fuck out of here, bro. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.